Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Church. I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at GPC, and <clears throat> excuse me, we are glad to have you here this morning. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us again this morning. Uh, we're grateful to you guys. Thank you for, to Chuck Holt, member and, uh, and friend, uh, for leading us and getting us going in, in worship this morning. Um, this morning, you have found yourself here or you're listening online later, and you, we are in the uh, kind of the middle, the heart of a series called Blind Spots. Um, seven dangerous assumptions behind our daily decisions. And we've already covered two blind spots, and this is number three. And so I'd like to begin this morning in a fun way, all right? I need you guys to help me with this. Now, you're smart people, so I don't expect anyone to have any problems with any of these here this morning, okay? But we're going to have a little fun together. And uh, I need your, your responses on these. Well, let's see if I'm going to ask for them or not. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, okay? But here we go. I need you to think with me. Johnny's mother, all right, had three kids. The first one is named April. The second one was May, and the third one was Johnny. Okay? Now, before Mount Everest was discovered, what was the tallest mountain? Mount Everest, right? We all knew that, right? Okay, what word in the English language is always spelled incorrectly? Incorrectly, right? We know that. You didn't even mean to tell you that. Incorrectly is always spelled like incorrectly is, okay? There's a girl named Sally. She was born on December 28th, but her birthday always falls in the summertime. How does that happen? You guys know that because she lives in the Southern Hemisphere, right? Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. If you're running a race, oh, we're almost done. If you're not, we're almost done. <laughs> if you're running a race and you pass the person who's in second place, you are now in second place. That's right, because you pass the person in second, right? Not first. There's no trick to that. That's just reality. <laughs> you pass the person in second, you're in second, okay? You're not in first place. So just, sorry about that. Now, which is, their, which is correct? The yolk of the egg is white or the yolk of the egg are white? The answer is, of course, neither because the yolk of the egg is yellow. You guys knew that already though, right? And last one, a farmer has uh, two fields and he has five haystacks in one field and four haystacks in the other field. So he combines all the haystacks into one field and he has how many? One, that's right, because he put all of them into one. He combined all the haystacks into one field. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for coming this morning, Grace Point. <laughs> you are dismissed. Listen, we all have, don't we? We all have some spots in our thinking that we might call blind spots, some assumptions that we make about how we process information. Our brains are wired to move us quickly from point A to point B, and if there's any confusing information between A and B, we just can gloss over it and jump over to B and think that we made the right decision, and think that we assessed the situation correctly. And what we have tried to do is stop and say, listen, there, if a lifetime is made up of days, how you handle today and the decisions that you make about today will impact your entire lifetime. So it's wise to pause and think, are there any assumptions that I have about my day and the things of my day that are impacting my life. Week number one, we looked at the idea that really forward thinking, if you want to be forward thinking, you think backwards. And that is from Solomon. He reminded us in the book of Ecclesiastes that the day of death is better than the day of birth. And this is so strange for us to think about that the day of death is better than the day of birth. But this is biblical. Okay? This is from God. That the day of death, thinking about the end will allow us to think about the middle, the beginning, and the end in a way that makes sense. 
Last week, we looked at the whole issue of, of money and how we think about money, kind of a blind spot about money. We realize that we cannot wear ourselves out to get rich. Again, going to the book of Proverbs, do not wear yourself out to get rich because, again, we went back to Solomon again in Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves money never has money enough. We tried to get under the blind spot that there's a certain threshold in which I will be satisfied and that threshold is just a step away. He said, mm, let's stop and talk about that. This morning we're going to talk about another commodity. Not about money, but a different commodity. This is an interesting commodity. This is a commodity that, that all of us have an equal amount of. No matter what age you are, if you're a, a a newborn, if you are you're not a newborn anymore, <laughs> at whatever age you find yourself living, you have as much as anybody else. It doesn't matter if you are sick, if you are healthy, whatever you're facing, it doesn't matter. You have the same amount of this as everybody else. And the funny thing about this commodity is that no matter how smart you are or, or interesting you are or bright or strong or savvy you are, you can never get any more of this commodity. In fact, it's a, a, a guy, J.R.R. Tolkien, there's all kinds of riddles written about this, but Tolkien wrote this about this commodity we're talking about today. If I can get over to it, there we go. He said, this thing all things devours, birds, beasts, trees, flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal, slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. And he's speaking, of course, about the government shutdown. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's speaking about time. He's speaking about time. Time, 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 time. That we all have, we all have an equal amount of time. No matter what. No matter what. We all have the same amount of time. And here's the funny thing. We talk about time as if it is a commodity, don't we? Anybody spend time this week? Anybody hoping to save time by getting something new to save time? Anyone, anyone use time? Anyone lose time? Anyone waste time this week? Anyone hoping to buy some time later on? Anyone ever open to do any of those things? We use the language of commodity with the regard to time, and I think rightly so. Okay, we have all been given the same amount of time. Now, here's the blind spot, though, that I think we have related to time, okay? <clears throat> the blind spot is, excuse me, <clears throat> it's a simple phrase, and when you see this, you may or may not think of this as a blind spot. I do, and I'm going to explain why it is. The blind spot is a phrase that we use, it's language that we use related to our time that we will speak and utter. In fact, you probably said this this week or this month sometime without really thinking about what's behind it. And here's a phrase that we will often say that I think reveals a, a, a blind spot in our life that is a pretty significant blind spot. And here's what it is. I don't have time. I don't have time. Hey, will you, are you going to get ready? I don't have, I don't have time. Can you go pick up? I don't have time. Do you have time? I don't have time. Can you help with, no, I don't have, I don't have time. Can you run to the, no, I don't have Time, maybe later. Another variation on this is, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Can you know I'm just too busy? In other words, I don't have time. In other words, it's this assumption that somehow 
the people who do the things that maybe I think I should do, okay? The people who are whatever, more whatever than me, more fit than me, more financially savvy than me, more emotionally healthy than me, they must have more of that than I do. I just don't have the time to study like they do. I don't have the time to build into my marriage like they do, clearly. I just wish I had more time, but I don't have time. And when I say that, you know, it's not my fault. It's time's fault. It's not my fault. I just don't have enough of it. And if I had more of it, then I could do more things, good things with the time that I have. But it's not my fault. I just don't have it. I don't have the time right now. I mean, exercise is great, but who has the time for that? I mean, reading anything is good, right? But I don't have time to read. Anyone ever say that? I don't have time to read even the Bible, let alone even just a a book. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to, you know, deal with the problem with my wife and my husband the way I really need to. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to make it home for dinner with my kids every night. I mean, I'm working. I don't know who has time to do that. I don't have time to get to my kids' games. I mean, that's a lot to do and got to go here and go there. I don't have time to date well the way I should, my girlfriend or boyfriend or my husband and wife. I don't have, I don't have time to put dates on our schedule. I just don't have time for that. I mean, I don't have the time. And what we end up doing is we end up taking this time and saying, if only I had, if only I had a little bit more of that, then I would be able to do the things that I think I should do. And here's why that's a blind spot. Because we allow ourselves, we give ourselves a pass, and we say, this isn't my fault. Let me move ownership and responsibility from me to this thing called time. And say, right over here, if only I had more, then I could do more. Now, here's what we know about time. If it's a commodity, and this is, um, this is thinking that's been impacting um, my thinking the last, uh, really, in the last week as I've been prepping for this, I ran across... Um, in our digital library that we offer at Grace Point called Right Now Media, uh, Pastor Joel was he- very helpful in getting this going for us. Many of you have access to that. If you don't, let's talk about how to get that for you. There's a resource of, of many um, videos uh, and teaching series that are available online for you that have great content for kids and marriages and, and uh, student ministry and apologetics and the faith and um, general teaching about um, biblical uh, topics. So I was going through Right Now Media this week, ran across... Uh, a message series done on time, time, called The Time of Your Life. And I actually ran across a message that Andy Stanley um, preached at his church at North Point in Georgia. And it actually happened to be in the same passage that I knew I was speaking on today. So, of course, I listened to it, and it was very good and very helpful. And so his thinking has shaped uh, the next few minutes, at least, of this talk together here. And one of the things that he encourages, and I can underscore, is this reality that as we think about time as a commodity, think about how you invest now if you invest at all. You at least know the principles of investment. How many of you have ever run um, an online calculator or with your bank or your um, financial advisor or whatever have run the numbers to see what would, it, what would my, my uh, deposit now look like in 30 years, in 50 years for compound interest? In other words, if I took $100 now or $10 now or $1,000 now and looked at the power of compound interest and just made, you know, $10 a month contributions to that, little investments over time, that would end up being this, you know, big deal later. Anyone ever do that? Good, there's six of you who do financial planning. That's awesome. Okay, 
That's a general principle that we know is true, right? And I know y'all didn't quite raise your hands to do that, but the general principle is true that small amounts of money invested over time because of the power of compound interest will result in even more powerful, if you will, or a greater product later on. And the diff- there's no difference. If we view time as a commodity, there's no difference, therefore, with how we spend our time. And so this principle that Stanley put it this way, I really find very, very helpful as we think about time. And he said this, small deposits of time over time make all the difference. Small deposits of time over time make all the difference. In other words, some of you have fallen in love this way, right? Think about your dating years, or maybe you're in them right now. And you know this, that you love to get a little touch from the boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your fiancé. Just a little, a text in the middle of the day. It's like, hey, thinking of you. It did not take long, but it's a little investment. A note. They thought of me. A phone call. They thought of me. How many of you fell in love with someone because you ignored them for nine months and spent one week with them and then ignored them for six more months? Okay. It doesn't work that way. It's the small investments of time along the way that make all the difference. You know this if you've ever been involved in studying, right? There's a four-letter word when it comes to exam time. It's called cram. Okay? Cram. In other words, I did not invest the small amounts of time over time in this class that I should have, and now, oh, we've got an exam. I've got to cram and try to take all of this mass amount of information and cram it in because I didn't do the small amounts of time over time to make this thing work. And so the reality is, as we look at time, that there is great value and benefit in making small deposits of time over time that will make a big difference. But we also know that the inverse of that is true, right? If you do not make the small amounts of time deposits over time, that there can be a very negative impact. In fact, it can be so negative that at some point you reach the point of no return. There are some parents who will look back on their years of raising their kids and realize, I blew it. I missed it. And the relationship with my son, the relationship with my daughter, I did not nurture. I did not make the small amounts of time over time. I was too busy because of work. And who's going to blame me because I didn't have time? I was too busy and I didn't make the investment small over time, and now we just don't have a relationship. And sometimes that's irreparable. Sometimes it is. Same for spouses who get into empty nest syndrome sometimes, or even just into the fray of having kids in a busy season of life. All of a sudden, you do not make the small investments of time with one another over time. And at some point, you come and you look at each other and you're like, who are you? Like, we just have not nurtured and made the small investments of time, this relationship. Some of you who've trained for things, many of you I know who have run 5Ks, half marathons, marathons, bike races, endurance rides, touring, and all that, you know that if you're going to plan for something big like that, you do not wait until Friday night before the marathon to think, man, I should get on the treadmill quick because tomorrow is the marathon. You're dead in the water. There are times when you don't make the small investments of time over time when there reaches a point of no return and you cannot repair what you missed along the way. It's just not possible. You cannot prepare for that marathon without those investments of time. Here's the last thing that we know, the characteristic of time. As you think about each of those small investments of time that you make, each one is so seemingly innocuous, seemingly unimportant, that we have little motivation to do it or little punishment when we don't do it. 
So for another, in other words, if you're training for a marathon, you have a 16-week training plan, and you on a Wednesday in week eight decide, I'm too tired to train for this event today, I'm going to take a day off. Okay. Take a day off. It's not going to make your marathon because you trained on that Wednesday afternoon. It's not going to break your marathon because you didn't train on that Wednesday afternoon. Just a day off. Think about getting home from work, eat with your kids. Man, I know I should do that. I know I should have dinner with the family. We should try to have some time to talk about the life and process the world together. But you know what? Today, just today, is too busy. And so on this day, on this investment, this opportunity to invest, there's little motivation, little reward if you get home in time. No one around the table is going to say, thank you so much for getting home today. Well done. Well done. And no one is probably going to say, you know what? You missed another day. We can't believe you. You're not going to be punished for that by your family. You're not going to be looked down on. There's just not going to be a lot of either reward or punishment for missing the little investments of time along the way. And therefore, we often lose the value and the significance of that simple idea that it's the small investments of time over time that make all the difference. And it does. And so as we think about time, how we spend it, how we use it, these little investments of time being so important, it leads us right into, right into what God has to say about how we use our time. There's all kinds of things in the scriptures about that. And this morning we're going to land in the New Testament in what is probably the most significant passage related to time in the, in the New Testament, and that is uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Paul is writing to a church, he's an apostle, um, he's writing to a church in Ephesus, and he is trying to tell them uh, a whole variety of things, and one of those things is how to use your time. If you don't have a Bible with you, by the way, there's a Bible near you uh, in the pew around you, and it's the red the red book there. You, um, by the way, that's our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, you can have that, take that with you, um, and, and read that, engage that. But Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to find ourselves this morning. If you're looking for that um, in your Bible, it's in the New Testament. That is the, the back or the right third of your Bible. You go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four Gospels, and just keep going a little bit longer, and you'll find the small little book of Ephesians. Um, you'll find four little books together, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and they're probably only two, three, four pages apiece. You can remember that order, by the way, right? How do you remember that order? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn is one way to do it. Go, Galatians, Ephesians, pop, Philippians, Colossians. You're welcome. That was free. Not, not even in my notes this morning, just felt the urging to do that for you. Here you go. Go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's really all that some of you can remember from this morning. I don't know what he said, but it was something about popcorn in the middle of that message, and that was kind of interesting. So here we are in the book of Ephesians, and, uh, and Paul is writing there in Ephesians 5, uh, beginning at verse 15, um, he begins to, to speak, uh, to write about this issue. And he says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as what? Wise. Be very, and let's pause right there. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. How many of you are hunters? All right, this is a, one more time. Hunters, arms up, here we go. I'm not going to shoot you guys for identifying yourself. I just want you to know. It's good. So, okay, I'm, I'm a non-hunter. I think you all know that, and, but that's fine. But 
listen, when you guys, when, you, when you're going to hunt, okay, you're heading out into the woods. Now, someone stop me along the way if I'm wrong. Okay, pardon my lingo if it's not quite up to snuff. But you're, you're looking for a spot, right? You're going to look for a spot. Some of you have um, acreage you own or cabins where you go hunt on someone's property. Others just kind of go and kill stuff wherever you can find it moving. Um, but you want to get a spot where you can get your tree stand up, right? I mean, that's one, one deal. Some of you want to get a tree stand up. And you want to have a spot where you can see really well, right? You are not, no, no one that I know of puts a tree stand on the ground behind a bush. Like, you know, maybe I'll be able to you know, shoot the insect off the leaf here as it comes by. You want to get a tree stand. You want to get in a position, in a spot, where you can scope out the landscape, right? Where you can just kind of settle in, put on some... I was going to say that smell of deer stuff, but I don't, some people do that, and it's interesting. They got the smell. Anyway, you want to get in a spot where you can see really well, right? Because it's important that you scope out where you are so that you can see what's coming. And this is the language that Paul uses. Be very careful then. In other words, as you get into life, as you roll out of bed, as you decide where do I go to college, who do I marry and date, how do I spend my money, what do I do with my health care, all of these things that you're thinking about, Get in the tree stand well. Be very careful. Scope it out. Be very careful then how you walk it out, how you live, in, in the ways that you live. Be very careful. See with the eyes of a hunter. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, what do you mean by that, Paul? What do you mean? What does it mean not to be unwise, but to be wise? And then he says in verse 16, okay, making the most, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Some of you who were raised on the King James Bible um, would know that the language here is, some of you know that, it's redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Isn't that an interesting word? The language, again, of commodity. Seeing time as a commodity. Redeeming is the buying back of, getting it back, redeeming the time. But there's an urgency to this word in the Greek when Paul's writing. There's an urgency to this word. And he's saying, listen, make the most of it. Get it now. Like, make the most of this. There's, there's an emotion. There's a, a fire. There's a passion behind this language. Scope it out well. Live like the wise, not the unwise. And listen, make the most of every opportunity. Because you know that a lot can happen in a little bit of time. Jen and I had a great chance to be at the soccer game this week, the Penway Valley soccer game. Some of you were there and lost a few years of your life with us as we were kind of cheering the guys on at the last minute. And some of you who weren't there, I'm sorry for you. It was a great game, and we're glad that the, the good guys won. Okay. And um, so the deal is, if you don't know what happened, we came down, you know, one nothing down to the last really 10 seconds, right? And, and um, their opponent, okay, LMH in this case, came down the field, they had one more run at the goal, and, and literally, almost with one second left on the clock, the ball was cleared from going over the goal line by a sliding defender who knocked out the last second. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most. There's so much that can happen in a few seconds, aren't there? There's so much that can happen. There's an urgency to what he's saying. Things can change so quickly. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Okay, why? If you want me to have this kind of urgency and passion, why? And he finishes the verse by saying, because 
the days are what? Evil. Because the days are evil. So why do you want me to live with this kind of urgency? Make the most. Redeem the time. Time is a commodity. Redeem it. Buy it back. Use it well. Redeem it. Why? Make the most of everything. Because the days are evil. In other words, a simple way to see this is from the beginning of time, ever since Adam sinned and Eve sinned, we have had sin as a part of our world. It is kind of like you roll out of bed and you start breathing right away, not that you weren't breathing at night, but you roll out of bed and you, start, you take your first breath and you're ready to go. You are breathing and I am breathing. We are living in a, in a world that is saturated by the sin culture. By, in a world that is primarily, when left to itself, self-centered and self-focused. It just is. Things that now I want. And it takes an effort to think about what you want. It is very easy to think about the things that are for me and a little harder to think about the things that are for you. A very self-centered atmosphere that we just live in all the time. We don't ever roll out of bed and think, man, today's an evil day. Today's an evil day. But I'm going to make the best of it. Now, what he is saying is the sin has been a part of our atmosphere and our culture ever since the fall. And because of that, our default tendencies are going to be when I have time to burn, to use, to spend, my default, because I live in a world where I live and breathe in a sin culture, is going to be to use it for myself, to use it for my betterment, to use it for me, not for you, and certainly not for the things of God. Because the days are evil, we have to redeem or make the most of the time. So then how do I do that? Verse 17 continues. He goes on to write, Therefore, do not be foolish. Thank you for that, Paul. Do not be foolish. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Therefore, do not be foolish. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by foolishness? Therefore, don't, don't be foolish. Being foolish is simply this. You know what you should do, and you don't do it. I've never done that, but I've heard of people who have done that. (laughs) We are in this one together, guys. We are in this one together. I know the things that I should do, and I don't do it. I know that exercise is good, but, I mean, I don't have the time, and it's really not that important because isn't God more interested in the heart and not the body? And, you know, there's all kinds of ways I can, can... can kind of get away from and rationalize away from taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, taking care of the body that we have, the very important body that we have. All kinds of ways I can get away from that and legitimize that. So pass another whoopie pie, baby. Heard there were 500 at the Fall Fun Fest. Let's have some more. Those are very good, by the way. When I know the things that I should do and don't do it, this is not a long, this is not hard to see. I mean, if you take a moment even now, Your marriage, your husband, your wife, sitting next to you, working in the nursery perhaps, at home with the kids this morning because they're sick. Is there anything in your marriage that you know you should do, men, ladies? You're like, ah, I just haven't gotten to that yet. I'll get to it. But right now we don't have the time. It's too busy. I'll get to that. Your money. Ah, I know that I should be 
with my money. I should be. But I'll get, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. In your, in your own kind of trying to figure out who God is, some of you are, have confessed with your mouth. You've said, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to keep growing in him. Others of you are trying to figure that out this morning. No matter where you are, that next step of I want to continue to grow and learn and figure out who God is. But I, I'll get to that. I, I don't have time. I should, but I'm not. I should read, I should ask, I should call, but I'm, I'm not. Some of you are angry at people right now. Some of you are just upset that he did that. And he's so inconsiderate and she's so... And my friend at school is just such a, I can't can't believe my boss acts like that. And I know that I should probably learn to forgive, and I know that I probably shouldn't hold on to bitterness, and I I know, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep holding on to my rights, be impacted by the sin culture of our day. Foolishness is knowing what I should do and not doing it. Some of you, and you, you know this, you're, you're wrestling with private addictions right now. You, you know this. And you're just hoping that it'll just go away. Over time, it'll just go away. It'll get better. I can control myself more and maybe no one will find out. It'll get better. Foolishness. Knowing what you should do and not doing it. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are going to tell you you're okay. You're fine. You're fine. There's other people worse than you. You're doing as well as you can for what you have. We know you're trying. Paul says, be very careful. Scope out your life well. Scope it out well. Make the most redeem, buy back the time. Knowing to doing what the Lord's will is. It's an interesting statement at the end, doing the Lord's will or knowing the Lord's will, acting on the Lord's will. There's that assumption that God has something for you. There's that assumption that God has something for you. It's not just my will or your will, but somehow God's. Doing, knowing, how to act on the Lord's will. And this is not a big mystery. This is not a big mystery. The simple way to look at this in verse 17, the simple way I should understand what the Lord's will is, there's one question that I think you can ask. It's very simple. And that is this. What do I already know God wants me to do? What do I already know that God wants me to do? It's probably already crossed your mind this morning. It's probably already come through your mind, but you've been thinking, I'll get to it later. I will have more time later. I know other people can have that kind of marriage, but they have more time. And other people can, can forgive, but they have. And other people can do that, but they have more. And I'm too busy. You don't know how busy I am. I've got two jobs, and I got, and I got, and I got, and I got, and I'll get to it later. Now, I just want you to know, I think you kind of know this already, that that procrastination has never, in the history of humanity, has never been a part of anyone's success story. You ever hear anyone 
come on the back end of you know, starting a business and running that successfully or recovering a marriage that's gone bad or, or recovering financially from something, saying, I am so glad, so glad that I waited so long to start this because it was awesome that we procrastinated on our marriage. I mean, we knew about this problem five years ago, but it took us, it took us all these years just to go, and we're so happy that we waited to do the things that we know that we should have done because procrastination is something we'd recommend to everybody. It, it, that's foolish, right? To know what you should do and not do it. And so if time is a commodity, it's a commodity that we all have equal amounts of. And no matter how smart you are or wise you are, you and I will never get more of what we have right now. That we need to change our language from I don't have time to I'm not making the time. Move the onus from time over there to me. Why isn't your marriage away? Well, I'm not making the time right now. That sounds a little more personal, doesn't it? Why are your finances in the order they're in? Well, I'm not making the time really to stop and think and process the way we're spending. You know, why are you still not forgiving that person? Well, I haven't made the time to call them yet because I'm waiting for them to do that. Why are you not with your kids more as a, as a dad and a mom? Well, we're not making the time to do that. All of a sudden, that sounds just way too convicting, doesn't it? But isn't this the way we need to see time? It's not about shifting that responsibility over here and saying, I don't have time. I'm too busy. It's about stopping that and bringing it back and saying, I'm not making the time. I'm not making the time to whatever. This is one of those little things that I hope that you see and I see that every time. But I'm tempted to say, I don't have time. That there'll be something that triggers in your mind and say, somewhere I heard a message about that sometime. That somehow this is, something, this is kind of important to God. That I will make the most of every opportunity. That doesn't mean that you're going to burn out 24-7, always be awake, never sleep anymore. No, no, no. I'm talking about making the most of the most important things. Sometimes the most important thing is rest with your spouse. Sometimes it's a refreshment in your relationship with God right now where you've been kind of wondering, how in the world do I connect with him? How do I feel refreshed and strengthened? How do I see his kingdom around me? And it's making the time to stop. It's making the time to pray. It's making the time to be quiet. It's making the time to see your neighbors the way he sees them. It's making the time for the most important things because we all have an equal amount of time and it will be gone before we know it. And Paul's commendation to you and to me is don't ever say anymore, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. That is an excuse and that's a blame-shifting move. We all have as much time as we need. We have as much time as we need to forgive. We have as much time as we need to reconcile. We have as much time as we need to, to figure out the things that we need to figure out. We know it. And so what is the thing that you know that you should do that you are not doing right now? And this is where Paul says, understand the Lord's will. And let's do it together. Redeeming the time, buying back, because the days are always going to point you and always going to point me back to saying, hey, what's good for you? Just take it easy. If we kick up our feet, let the current of sin take us, we're going to be awash in self-centeredness. And Paul says, redeem the time. Buy it back. It's a commodity. Make the most of every opportunity. What do you know today that you should do? Today's the day, right? To do it. Let's pray. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to stop in time and reflect 
on the things that we sometimes talk about, the language we use, that gives ourselves permission to delay and wait and procrastinate and push off the things that we know we should do now. I pray that you would give us courage because some of us have been delaying things for a long time. I think some of us sitting here this morning or listening online later um, or listening on CD later will already have in mind a habit, perhaps it's been going on for a long time, that needs to be changed and just hasn't been because the courage hasn't been there, the encouragement hasn't been there, and the awareness hasn't been there to say now's the time. Pray for the men and women, boys and girls who hear this, that we would be men and women, boys and girls, who want to do what we know we should do because we believe that is following you, following your will. Give us wisdom to know what we should do, Father, with these things that we hear this morning. We thank you for it and ask you to direct us and give us courage. In Jesus' name we pray.